Ladies and gentlemen, the following segment of the podcast is presented exclusively by my favorite college in America, Hillsdale College, which proudly refuses every penny of government funding to remain independent. Thank you for listening and my sincere appreciation to Hillsdale for their sponsorship. It's all quiet in the underground bunker. Doors closed, locks bolted. But the great one isn't just resting on his laurels. He's making sure your weekend is even better by giving you his best. This is the best of Mark Levin. Well, G, G, he's in Moscow with Putin. This is like Tojo and Hitler meeting. And who's the Mussolini? He would be the Islamo-Nazi who runs Tehran. What's happening here is when you abandon your superpower role as not just a leading military country, but a leading diplomatic country, the void is filled. That's what's happened throughout world history. The void is filled. When you're an ostrich and you put your head in the sand, or I guess the dirt, um, people don't just sit around and look. Look at that. His head's in the dirt. There's a void that's filled. You know, the funny thing is, evil is endless. We talked about this before. Endless wars. Every war is not an endless war, but evil is endless. You've had empires that have gone on for over a thousand years. The Chinese have. The Romans did. The Egyptians did. Empires. About 120 years ago, the most powerful military force on the face of the earth were the British Empire. Remember, the sun never set on the British Empire. That's what they used to say. Not anymore. Sets on the British Empire all the time. There is no empire. Oh, they're so forward-looking. They're so progressive. What's interesting is before World War II, before World War II, we were not the most powerful country on the face of the earth. We were one of them after World War I. We became the most powerful country on the face of the earth because we had industries and, of course, people. When push came to shove, stepped up. And the almighty capitalist economic system kicked in. And nobody could keep up with us. Nobody. Nobody. But from within, the American Marxists and the Democrat Party have done enormous damage to our economic system, to our civil system, to our psyche as a nation. They're not the only ones. The pacifist isolationists are doing exactly the same thing. So when we don't compete to control the Panama Canal, the communist Chinese control both ends of it. When we don't compete... To keep our status at the Solomon Islands the way it was after World War II, 
including Guadalcanal, the communist Chinese step in and they get a deep water port. If we don't keep our status in parts of Africa, including the Congo, the communist Chinese step in and they take control over all the cobalt. If we don't keep our status in the South China Sea, the communist Chinese step in and claim ownership. Claim ownership of islands off of Japan, islands off of the Philippines. Build their own islands and weaponize them. Claim control over navigable waters and international airspace off of Vietnam, where Vietnam even comes to us. And the Australians, too. When you leave an international void, somebody fills it. And in this case, the communist Chinese are filling it. And they've been wanting to fill it for a couple of decades now. And here they are. They've stolen our technology. They have built on our technology. Um, They have fused their civil and military economies together. With the military economy taking the lead over the civil economy. They have a draft military. People are consigned. They have built special missiles to take out our aircraft carriers. Designed just to take out our aircraft carriers. They have built killer satellites to take out our GPS systems so the infantry on the ground is blind. As are our ships. As is the Air Force. They're filling the void. And now they're meeting with Russia under the pretense of trying to negotiate some kind of settlement between Russia and Ukraine. Don't you suspect that they've already talked to the Russians, their allies? Of course they have. Communist Chinese are rooting for Russia against Ukraine. Because they can see themselves in a similar position when it comes to Taiwan. I look at what happened in Afghanistan. You know, we could have won that war in Afghanistan. It didn't have to be a quote-unquote forever war, a 20-year war. It would have required the kind of massive bombing an overwhelming force that was used during World War II. <clears throat> but we didn't want to do it. We didn't want to do it. And then under Biden, of course, we surrendered. They gave all of our enemies hope, leaving tens of billions of dollars in weaponry, leaving our friends who assisted us over there. God knows what's happened to them. Leaving the women to the designs of the Taliban. The Taliban represents about 12% of the population of Afghanistan. I'm not saying we should have stayed longer. I don't believe we should have. But to have an exit the way we had this exit, everybody agrees except the idiot in the Oval Office, 
it was a complete disaster. But people say that sent a signal to Putin. That sent a single signal to communist China. It sent a signal to the Islamo-Nazi regime in Tehran. And they're right. And if we stop funding the people in Ukraine, what kind of signal will that spend? That's Europe. That's not some hilly location over there. That is Europe. Where two wars have broken out, World War I and World War II. Unfortunately, I'm reading some of the most moronic, asinine, stupid columns on why pacifism is the way of the future for conservatives. And they are just filled with labels and nothing more. There are no, no arguments. They don't, they don't even look at what Putin has said, what his lieutenants have said about the Black Sea, about Moldova, about Romania, about Bulgaria, about Poland, about the Balkan states, about Finland. They don't even address it because they're clowns. They have no intellectual integrity or honesty. And if you raise questions, the problem with you is, you see, you're thinking like people in the past. And I've told you this many times, they sound like Marxists. People of the past. I guess we should eliminate all of our real history courses. It's called knowledge based on experience. That's a good thing. Knowledge based on experience. Parents, grandparents, generations now gone. They have existed. They do exist. You can learn a lot from them. The world doesn't begin today because some 28, 30, 35-year-old decides he or she has a new theory. New theory. Oh, that's good. You do? Oh, yes, I do. No wonder they don't call themselves conservatives anymore, because they have nothing to do with it. Populists. What does that mean? If I vote you off the island, that's it? Even if I own the island? Yes, that's right. Populists. The only we know the populist was the predecessor to socialists. It's okay. That's what I'm here for, education. Chinese leader Xi arrived in Moscow today for a three-day visit that shows off Beijing's new swagger in world diplomatic affairs and offers a welcome political lift for Russia President Vladimir Putin just days after an international arrest warrant was issued for him a war crimes charges related to the war in Ukraine. You know what's amazing about this? First, if I may critique it, this is the Associated Depressed. That's a run-on sentence. You lose your breath reading that sentence, Mr. Producer. No comma, no semicolon, no colon, no period, no exclamation mark, nothing. Nothing. China and Russia have described Xi's trip as an opportunity to further deepen their no-limits friendship. Oh, what's that mean? Ooh. China looks to Russia as a source of oil and gas for its energy-hungry economy and as a partner in standing up to what both see as a U.S. domination of global affairs. The two countries also held joint military drills. I'm going through this article. 
I'm going through it more all the way to the bottom. After all, this is the Associated Depress, the biggest wire service on the face of the earth. And I keep going and I'm looking and I'm going and I'm looking. It's a long piece. And there's nothing about Joe Biden in here. There's nothing about Joe Biden in here. What's that all about? Because Joe Biden has failed diplomatically, as he has failed militarily. When it comes to Ukraine, too little, too late, or as Nixon used to say, TL squared. And that's Joe Biden. And so here we have Xi now, not only with all these military installations, not even worse, he's been loaning, quote unquote, tens of billions to the tune of about a hundred and some billion dollars to countries throughout Central and South America. And as collateral, they use bases and water ports and infrastructure projects and all the rest of it. They're like the mob. So geographically, they're out-positioning us. They're in our hemisphere in violation of the Monroe Doctrine. And they are all over the place. They're in striking distance of both of our coasts. Uh, They're building uh, nuclear silos at a breakneck speed. Oh, and by the way, they're building coal power plants. Did you read that, Mr. Producer? Two a week. Two a week! Thank God for climate change and the fact that we are destroying our economy and our economic status, our superpower status, but the communist Chinese, they're looking for it. They know what they're doing. It's Xi. Xi knows what he wants and knows what he's doing. Now, I don't know. I wrote in Liberty and Tyranny about globalism. And when I wrote about globalism, what I was talking about there, <clears throat> and I guess a lot of these halfwits, nitwits, and dimwits who fancy themselves intelligent, who show up in different press events and write columns. I guess they misunderstood what I said, even though it was in plain, understandable English. Globalism means when you surrender your sovereignty to international organizations, institutions, and other countries. It doesn't mean economic activity Of course we need to have economic activity with other countries. We don't have all the material we need for the things we use in this country. We're a net user of material. So when some leftist like Obama or somebody else says, oh, you're 3-4% of the world's population, but you use 25% of of the material in the world, well, of course we do, because we're more efficient, we're capitalists. You know, we've given up. Uh, We're not feudalists. We're not communists. So the reason we use more is because we put it to good use, not because we're hoarding it. And so we need things that other people have. We need natural resources that other people have, even though we're blessed with so many here. We need certain skill sets that other people have. That doesn't mean we throw away our own industries through tax policies, 
labor policies, environmental policies, and all kinds of harassment techniques. No. We should support enterprise in this country so fewer of them will leave. And we can encourage other countries' industries to come to the United States. Wouldn't that be a difference? So globalism doesn't mean you don't participate in the global economy. That would be suicide. And by the way, we have tens of millions of people in this country that rely on it, not just for their sustenance, but for a job. What is meant by globalism, notice how words are purposely changed to fit ideological purposes. It really drives me nuts. Is surrendering the nation's sovereignty whether it's governmental, institutional, cultural, whatever it is, to other countries and other institutions. That's what's meant by that. So this Silicon Valley Bank goes under. And one of the reasons it goes under is because it's practicing ESG. Environment. uh, Diversity and governance, without the G. In other words, this radical left agenda that financial institutions are imposing on, excuse me, other businesses to force them to advance this radical Marxist agenda. Putting money into windmills and battery-operated socks and propeller caps and all the rest of it. It's a bad bet because it ain't working. Wait till five or ten years from now when people really are freezing to death. So Congress Congress voted and uh, they passed a law that said that these institutions have to focus on profitability. They have to focus on return for investment for people that are pension seniors and others who are invested in uh, Mutual funds and certificates of deposit, you know, just basic investment instruments. Because the Trump administration was telling all these companies, all these banks, all these financial institutions that they could, in fact, use ESG, and the Securities and Exchange Commission is indeed requiring it. It's climate change and critical race theory. That's what it's basically been, equity. So this is from the Associated Press. President Joe Biden issued the first veto of his presidency today in an early sign of shifting White House relations with the new Congress since Republicans took control of the House in January, a move that serves as a prelude to bigger battles with GOP lawmakers on government spending and the nation's debt limit. These run-on sentences are unbelievable. But yes... Biden sought to kill a Republican-authored measure that would ban the government from considering environmental impacts or potential lawsuits when making investment decisions for people's retirement plans. Excuse me? Environmental impacts of potential lawsuits, it goes well beyond that. And so here's the Associated Press who wrote this damn thing. Zeke Miller and Shung Min Kim, two propagandists for the left. In a video released by the White House, Biden said he vetoed the measure because it put at risk the retirement savings of individuals across the country. 
let me tell you something about the use of language here. The use, or should I say the abuse of language, is something that has been perfected by totalitarian regimes, whether national socialists, straight-up fascists, Marxists, any combination thereof. So the plain understanding of words is changed. In addition, new words are created. New words are created. And the whole goal here is to promote propaganda and ideology and to brainwash you. So the language is dumbed down. The language is changed. Words lose their meaning. Words change their meaning. They rewrite the dictionary. Literally, you've seen dictionaries rewritten. So here you have Republicans trying to protect the retirement savings of seniors and individuals who aren't yet senior but putting their money in. And Biden says he vetoed their bill because they, quote, put at risk the retirement savings of individuals across the country. So literally, the party and the people who are trying to protect your savings, including your retirement savings, are accused of putting them at risk. That's what totalitarian regimes do, and that's what's between Joe Biden's ears. Totalitarian applesauce. And so he says stuff like this. He says Republicans, you see, seek to defund the police. Defund law enforcement. By voting against the $1.7 trillion Inflation bill. Because there was money in there, should a state or locality want to use it for cops, they could have. That was never a budget issue. It was an ideological issue. Defunding the police was never about spending and budgets. It was about cutting them off at their knees. It was an ideological policy decision. But it doesn't matter. By the time you explain it, nobody gives a damn. And so Joe Biden has a knack for totalitarian speak. Because more and more, that's what he is, a totalitarian. I have signed here my hand, uh, student loan forgiveness, a trillion dollars. Wait, 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 that's Congress, doesn't matter. Now, three months earlier, he said only Congress could do it. Now he can do it. I've decided not to follow these immigration laws. They're untidy. They're interrupting my goals here. It's an impeachable offense. His first veto, writes the Associated Press, represents a more confrontational approach at the midway of Biden's term in office. See, it's not about what he's done to people's pensions now and their savings. It's the effect it has on poor Joe Biden. Biden is more confrontational. Has to be. He's up against the repubes. Now, Zeke Miller is the chief White House correspondent for the Associated Press. Ziki faces a GOP-controlled house that is eager to undo parts of his policy legacy and investigate his administration and his family. This is Zeke. Complicating matters for Biden, several Democratic senators are up for re-election next year in conservative states, giving them political incentive to put some distance between them and the White House. Hello, what does this have to do with the ESG crap? Nothing. 
Nothing whatsoever. But Zeke must be very, very sharp. He is the chief White House correspondent for the Associated Depressed. The measure vetoed by Biden ended would have effectively reinstated a Trump-era ban on federal managers of retirement plans, considering factors such as climate change, social impacts, or pending lawsuits when making investment choices. In other words, they're supposed to consider what's in your financial best interest. Isn't that what you expect of people? But what Biden is doing is he's essentially stealing your money and applying it to what he wants to apply it to. The veto could also help calm some anger from environmentalists. They're not environmentalists anymore. They're Marxists. They're degrowth Marxists who've been upset with the Biden administration for its recent decision to greenlight the Willow Oil Project, a massive and contentious drilling project in Alaska. There were five sites. They cut them down to two. And they nationalized close to 20 million acres of land. That is, preventing people from using them to drill on. And the no-growth, degrowth Marxists are still ticked off. Oh, I'm sorry. Did we upset you? But critics say so-called environmental, social, and governance investments, ESG, allocate money based on political agendas, such as drive against climate change, rather than on earning the best returns for savers, Republicans in Congress, who pushed the measure, said environmental or social consideration in investments by the government. Just another example of being woke. Why don't you mention the, the bank that failed, the Silicon Valley Bank, Zeke? And why don't you mention, why don't you mention that seniors have a right to the best return on their money? It's their money. It's not Biden's, and it's not, it doesn't belong to the environmentalists, does it? Biden's veto is likely to prevail. Just three Democrats in Congress, one in the House, two in the Senate, supported Republicans of the matter, of course. Jared Golden of Maine was the sole Democrat to back the resolution in the House. Tester and Manchin, the only Democrats in the Senate, This is a radical agenda being pushed by Biden. Means nothing to him. He will never suffer. Mark Levin. Are you an individual or business owner facing the heavy burden of back taxes, levies, or wage garnishments? Life's challenges, especially those brought on by the economic impact of COVID-19 and inflation, can take a toll on your financial well-being. Now, the IRS has eliminated over a billion dollars in tax penalties and interest for back taxes. America First Tax Group is here to help you claim your share of these billions in tax relief before the IRS can claim the government share and clamp down. Call them now, 800-806-1299. The IRS has people working to collect your money, but it's time to turn the tables, folks. America First Tax Group is a full-service tax boutique that puts clients first. They understand the stress of dealing with tax problems, and they will be your guide through the process. Don't wait. Time is of the essence. Call America First Tax Group. Here's the number, 800-806-1299, 800-806-1299, or visit AmericaFirstTaxGroup.com slash Levin. Levin. 
Making your weekend even better. This is the best of Mark Levin. We now have pseudo-conservatives, if you will, who want you to believe that Ronald Reagan was a liberal. A neocon. A warmonger. Do you believe that? Or that if you you believe an ally should be supported, that every war is a forever war. You know, in the Middle East, the Israelis and their enemies have been going at it for half a century. Is that a forever war? I'm just curious. The Cold War was a long war. Actually, it cost a tremendous amount of money and a lot of lives. Even though the superpowers didn't duke it out directly, they certainly duked it out indirectly. A forever war. I suppose. Some of the most lethal wars in American history were not forever wars. World War II, World War I, the Civil War. They weren't forever wars. Our participation was about five years or less. But look at all the deaths. The fastest war would be a nuclear war, be over very quickly. You see, the fortune cookie phrases and labels that are used in the arguments today by these pacifist Republicans and neo-pseudo-conservatives, I'll say, are absolutely useless. So I keep looking for one of them to write a long-form essay, something scholarly that I could share with you and go through it point by point on what their positions are. What is their diplomacy? What is their foreign policy? Don't just tell me it's America first. There needs to be American interests involved. Okay, there's two paragraphs. But beyond that, where do we draw lines? Do we draw, draw them at Poland and Romania? Do we draw them at Taiwan? Do we draw them at Israel? But they're far away too. What do they have to do with us? Then if you mention history, you know, well, history is different. This is a different time. Oh, I see. So when will they share with us the benefit of their genius rather than their hit-and-run columns, which make no sense whatsoever to me? When will they stop trashing America? When will they stop trashing some companies that are actually patriotic and are not woke? Well, companies wouldn't work overtime to provide our military with the kind of weaponry that they need or develop the kind of weaponry that they need. In fact, the argument could be made they wouldn't even be in the business of developing or producing weapons at all. So why are we trashing them? 
like they're Ben and Jerry's ice cream. And what is it that these people want to do to support our troops? Exactly how do they want to support our all-volunteer military? What do they want to do? Do they want to build the military? How do they want to build it and why? Why do they even want to build up the military? Are they like Ron Paul who wants to cut the military by 25%? Is that their view? What is their view? I'd like to know. But they won't tell us in any coherent way. We have a right to know if they're going to keep attacking our history. If they're going to keep attacking our military. Oh, no, no, you don't understand. They're the real patriots. No, I don't understand. If they're so smart, why don't they demonstrate it? Because they can't. Because their thinking isn't new thinking. It's old thinking. And it's the kind of thinking that leads to world wars. As it led to World War II. That's their thinking. And it'd be nice if they laid it out for us, if they were at least honest. You know, the first America First movement that grabbed that title was also isolationist, pacifist, blame America first. We were the provocateurs. We were the imperialists. Some of the names have changed, you know, neocon, that sort of stuff. But at least they had the integrity and the honesty to lay out exactly where they stood. They did not oppose the rise of the Third Reich. And they said so. They did not oppose the right, the rise of Imperial Japan. And they said so. They did not oppose the rise, first among the three, of fascistic Italy, which was first communist Italy, but hey. It was none of our business. You would think we would learn by now, but if you're relatively young and you don't want to study American history, then you're not going to learn. Or if you think you're smarter than everybody else, you're not going to learn. Or if you censor relevant history and information in unleashing your broadsides, then you're not going to learn. If you believe the American people are dumb, that they think their border is going to be secured by Joe Biden and the Democrats, if only if only we'd stop funding the war in Ukraine, as they put it, you're a moron. Washington's not full of warmongers. I could hear my dad now just spitting nails. Beijing is full of warmongers. Moscow's full of warmongers. Tehran's full of warmongers. North Korea is full of warmongers. If we were warmongers, you'd think we'd just be supplying weaponry and money to Ukraine? 
Russia's on its back right now. That doesn't mean it won't get up. It's a monstrous regime. And it's amazing how little is said by these pseudo-conservatives about Russia. About their crimes against humanity. Should we forget that history too when, when evil regimes commit genocide? Should we forget all that? All the black and white films? From half a century ago? Should we forget it? I guess so. People always say, and I'm sure you've heard them say it too, why didn't anybody do anything? You've heard me condemn the New York Times for covering up the Holocaust and for its correspondent in Berlin to be sympathetic to the Nazis. You've heard me condemn the New York Times because its correspondent in Moscow was a mouthpiece for Stalin and his slaughter of the Ukrainians. You've heard me condemn the New York Times because of its reporter who went to Cuba and endorsed Castro and helped what were about 40 guerrilla fighters in the jungles destroy an entire country. And now I'm president. Now, we see the rise of communist China. We see what Russia has done. Iran is a couple of blinks away from having nuclear weapons. North Korea is firing missiles capable of carrying nuclear warheads all over the neighborhood towards our allies and now it has an ICBM that can go several thousands of miles which means it will have an ICBM that can reach us what do the pseudo conservatives and the putinoids and the pacifists what do they think about all this where is their white paper where is their position why won't they tell us Why won't they lay it out in intelligent ways where we can read it? I'll read it on the air. And we can discuss it. Where is it? Why does it matter what happens in Iran, in the Middle East, in Israel? But it doesn't matter what happens in Ukraine and Eastern Europe. Why does it matter? And what about Taiwan? What is their position on Taiwan? I haven't heard it. What should we do? Nothing? Do we act like we're prepared for anything? Well, the enemy keeps getting stronger and stronger and stronger. This is reality. It's not a label. It's not a bumper sticker. It's not trashing people who came before us. If you know how to run the world, at least show us what you mean when you say such things. Because so far, you haven't told us a damn thing.
Not a damn thing. Except forget history. Forget Reagan. Don't link issues. You're a neocon. We need to secure our border, which is obvious. Lay it out. I'm waiting for the Federalists to lay it out. I'm waiting for Newsweek to lay it out. I'm waiting for Republican candidates to lay it out. Lay it out. If you're capable of it, so the rest of us can read it. And debate it. You think you're Bill Buckley. I'll prove it. Mark Levin. In today's digital age, where cyber threats loom larger than ever, safeguarding your personal information is paramount. So why is Congress considering a law that could put your credit card data at greater risk of being hacked and exposed to foreign networks? This Durbin Marshall credit card bill could jeopardize your financial data, make it more susceptible to cyber intrusions. It's a controversial bill that proposes a shift in billions of dollars worth of consumer transactions to payment networks that lack the robust security measures consumers rely on. Who could possibly want that? Well, the answer, woke corporate megastores seeking to inflate their multi-billion dollar profit margins. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill will undermine our safe and convenient payment systems and endanger your data security. It's time to take a stand. Visit electronicpaymentscoalition.org. Make your voice heard. Tell your senators to oppose the radical Durbin Marshall credit card bill paid for by the Electronic Payments Coalition. You are listening to the best of Mark Levin. You are living in, in so many respects, a tyranny. You're living in a tyranny. A former president of the United States who is, in many polls, if not most, the leading candidate for the Republican nomination who's announced his candidacy is the target of the opposition party. The opposition party is using its its elected DAs to go after the putative leader of the Republican party And Joe Biden is using his Department of Justice directly through his attorney general and a special counsel with two grand juries, two, just to be sure, to go after his leading political opponent and threat. That's the bottom line. Regardless of what our friend our friends, our former federal prosecutor friends and others say the case in Georgia is no better. The cases they're concocting in Washington, D.C. are no better. They're all a mirage. No citizen should be treated this way. No innocent man should be treated this way. 
and no innocent man has been treated this way who's reached the lofty heights of the presidency and then as the next president. None. Donald Trump is not a choir boy. We know this. There are things he says we wish he wouldn't say. And yet there's things he's done on behalf of the American people that many of us didn't think he would do, and he's done them. He's a man of enormous courage. He has had many people who have backstabbed him, who worked for him and backstabbed him. They sought the jobs. And he has a Democrat party that is furious that he won in 2016, despite the fact that they did all kinds of stuff, working and consulting with the FBI, intelligence agencies, the Department of Justice, and fraudulent law firms in Washington, D.C. But they lost. He wasn't supposed to win. But he won. And is a different kind of president. Different kind of president. They're used to Republicans rolling over and playing dead. They're used to Mitt Romney. They're used to the Bushes. They're used to their consultants all over TV and radio. Spewing the middle way. And denouncing real conservatives who, who said, finally, somebody's standing up to these people. After all these elections, after all these votes, we give them the, the House. We win seats in the Senate. There's McConnell. There's Boehner. Later, there's Paul Ryan. We're not making any headway here. Tea Party rises up in 2010. We hand them like 66 new seats in the House and several new seats in the Senate. We're condemned for costing them the Senate. We're condemned for being radical. Our agenda is just not practical. But we saw that wasn't true. And so for the Democrat Party and their media, which is made up of so many former Democrat staffers and operatives, both in the newsrooms and in their opinion programs, this was a shock to the system, and they don't want a shock to the system. They're, that's their system. They view the government as their government. They view the bureaucracy as their bureaucracy. After all, they built it. And they had plans, and you can see the plans being enshrined right now by Joe Biden, fundamentally changing America for all time and so much of what he's done in just two years. <clears throat> Trump was in the way. So they figure we're going to punish him even while he's out of office. We'll impeach him while he's out of office. There's enough useful idiot Republicans to go along with us. In fact, we'll take two of them, Liz Cheney and Adam Kingsinger. We'll put them out front. We'll get them on our favorite networks. And we'll go and live these long-in-the-tooth establishment Republicans. In this case, truly establishment Republicans. 
who have always hated Trump because they wanted Jeb Bush in the presidency. And we're going to teach these Republicans a lesson. Anybody on January 20th who dared to challenge the election, Scott Perry, Ted Cruz, Josh Hawley, we're going to smear them. To the extent possible, we're going to criminalize their behavior. Any lawyers who are stupid enough to represent Donald Trump or or to give him various theories about elections, I'm talking in particular about Rudy, Julie Ellis, John Eastman, but others. We're going to ruin them and destroy them forever. We'll go after Victoria Tansing and her wonderful husband, Joe DeGenova. Anybody who stands in the way. And we will cover for the Democrat Party, whether it's Biden and his son and the laptop and the millions and millions of dollars that are poured into the Biden family. It's of no consequence. So they have their DA in Manhattan. And while they cry crocodile tears about how he may screw up this case, the Democrats and the media are upset. Because they want Trump in prison. Period. And they've told us this. And the media have told us this. Day after day, week after week, month after month. It doesn't matter. They'll try the emoluments clause. They'll try his federal tax returns. They'll claim Russia collusion. On and it doesn't matter. Just send them to prison. Now you understand what's going on in Manhattan. You understand what they're trying to do. The word is that the president will be indicted tomorrow. That's the word. And that he will be formally processed the next week. And he'll be treated like a mob boss. Love his photo fingerprints they'll be made public he will be mocked he will be humiliated it'll be used by the Democrats because the Democrats are doing this meanwhile big dumb crooked corrupt Joe nothing but then the real case you know is in Georgia because the President of the United States made a couple of calls, I guess, and said, you know, find some votes. Now, of course, in an election, you're never allowed to say find some votes, are you, Mr. Producer? No, of course not. Find some votes. Can't we change the outcome? Did he say break the law? Did he say pay people off? Did he say anything illegal? No, of course not. Find the votes. Or fine votes. And so that was criminalized for the first time in American history. Find some votes. 
Wow. Meanwhile, the Democrats had sent their lawyers into all these, these states to find votes, to change the voting system. Why did they change the voting system? To find votes. And they succeeded in changing the voting systems. They want the governors, they want the state legislators, they want the secretaries of state, they went to county commissioners. Zuckerberg poured in $417 million. Find some votes. So Trump reacts. And he's committed an offense. Then they drag out these legal analysts. You know who they are. They're so monotonous and they're so moronic. And most of them have always hated Trump. They can point to Manhattan and say, that's really stupid, but Georgia's the real case. That's the real case. Yeah. Another Democrat elected district attorney. Another mugshot. Another indictment. More fingerprinting. He won't escape this time. No. No matter what the idiot Bragg does. No, no, now we got him. Then they bring in Jack Smith from The Hague. Now, why was Jack Smith in The Hague? Because Jack Smith is a screw-up. Jack Smith headed the public integrity section of the criminal division for five years, from 2005 to 2010. He made a mockery of the place. He brought a ridiculous case against the former Republican governor of Virginia, Bob McDonnell, which was thrown out by a unanimous Supreme Court. And he oversaw a ridiculous case that was brought against a presidential candidate on the Democrat side who he didn't support, John Edwards, which involves some of the same over, overlapping facts in terms of federal campaign finance law as the matter in Manhattan. That went to the jury. The jury found Edwards innocent, not guilty, on one charge. It was a hung jury on the five other And it was so bad that the Department of Justice dropped it. There were contributions made to the Edwards campaign, which were then used in turn to help cover up his adulterous affair and the pregnant lady involved in it. And um, it's just unbelievable. And so he stretched the federal campaign laws, which provide, among other things, that while those kinds of donations can be illegal, given the amounts of money and also given the fact that it would create a positive benefit to a campaign, if in fact the monies were used and could be explained a different way, that is, that maybe... Edwards didn't want his wife who had cancer and was dying to know about it. Well, that would that would turn what one might consider crime into a nothing. Because the law says that's not a crime. If there could be multiple reasons for the money. And yet it was donations that were given by campaign supporters. In the case of Trump, he didn't even use any of that money. 
His lawyer spent the money. So this is the guy they bring in to go after Trump. So far, he has subpoenaed janitors, the wait staff, anybody who works at Mar-a-Lago, Trump's inner circle, his outer circle. I read this in an article, so it must be true. He has subpoenaed his lawyers with the help of an Obama judge who has ruled against every single motion filed by the Trump team in Washington, D.C. This Obama judge ruled again that not only could the prosecutor, this guy Smith, go around attorney-client privilege and question President Trump's lawyer in the document case in front of the grand jury under oath. But she handed the prosecutor the Trump lawyer notes that were taken during his discussion with the former president. They use something called the crime fraud exception, you see, because the prosecutor insists that they were really hatching a crime. This is over documents. You understand? This whole thing is absurd. It's over documents. They weren't destroyed. They weren't shredded. They weren't sold. They weren't given to the enemy. They were secured Mar-a-Lago under the watchful eye of the Secret Service. But it's obstruction that we're looking at. And the legal analysts and disgruntled former employees like Bill Barr say, Oh, they got him here. They got him here. Shut up. Keep your personal hostility to yourself. Use your head. There's not an attorney general in the world who would do what this attorney general did. Unless it's Barr, I guess. Then, of course, the January 6th campaign. They're digging up, dusting off old, old laws used against Confederates. The Department of Justice has no role in this whatsoever. The U.S. Attorney's Office has no role in this whatsoever. We're not talking about graft, embezzlement, threats. The Constitution provides that Congress, in the end, will decide if they accept certain electors and the results of elections in various states. Not a prosecutor. And you may recall Democrats have challenged electors coming from different states on many occasions, including in 2016, including when George Bush won his two elections. They challenged it right there on the floor. Were they committing a crime? Were they trying to undo an election? Were they trying to obstruct the peaceful transfer of power? Very, very dangerous road. Mark Levin. Have you gotten your letter from the IRS yet? These last few years have not been easy on the American family. And with tax season finally arriving, there'll be millions of hardworking people and businesses that could struggle even more due to the IRS working against them. Well, America First Tax Group can help put an end to your worries. Just one phone call to 800-806-1299. Hello, 800-806-1299. And you'll be in touch with the America First Tax Group, a full-service tax company that'll fight the IRS and help put you on the path to financial freedom. Their experts can help you or your business with any tax-related problems you may have, from dealing with your back taxes to granting you access to tax relief and much more. Don't wait. Get in touch with America First Tax Group today by calling 800-806-1299. That's 800-806-1299. 
or AmericaFirstTaxGroup.com slash Levin. Again, 800-806-1299 or AmericaFirstTaxGroup.com slash L-E-V-I-N. The Great One makes your weekend even better. This is the best of Mark Levin. Just to underscore the tyranny that we are living under with this buffoonish attorney general who is a complete political hack. Katie Pavlich, writing at Town Hall, a new report published by the Select Committee shows extensive collusion between the Biden administration and the National School Board Association. You may recall, you loyal listeners out there, that this story was actually first surmised by me that this had to be involved, and then it began to break. There was no way, no way, a letter could have been produced this fast when it was received at the White House on a Friday, and they put out their memo on a Monday without collusion. The partnership came as the group drafted a letter calling on the Department of Justice to classify parents as domestic terrorists. You remember that letter? The letter also asked Attorney General Meritless Garland to use the Patriot Act, implemented after 9-11, to go after parents expressing criticism over school lockdowns, critical race theory, inappropriate sexual content in the classroom. Internal executive branch documents indicate the Biden administration's use says the committee, of federal law enforcement and counterterrorism resources as an example of government weaponization against American parents. If the Justice Department performed any due diligence prior to the issuance of the Attorney General's memorandum, it would have understood clearly and forcefully that federal intervention was unwarranted because that due diligence did not occur and the administration acted out of political motivations rather than for law enforcement reasons. Parents around the country had FBI assessments opened into them, the report states. Got that, parents? The report, which is interim as the committee continues to investigate, gives a detailed timeline of how the National School Board Association worked with the Department of Justice, the Department of Education, and the White House to push for federal law enforcement into, into the, uh, to investigate parents. The National School Board Association collaborated with the Biden White House to develop the language in their letter, September 29, 2021, to Biden. So they colluded with the White House to send a letter to the White House, urging the use of federal law enforcement and counterterrorism tools, including the Patriot Act, against parents. The National School Board Association shared the draft language of its letter with the White House, which apparently raised no concerns with the reference to counterterrorism tools or the inclusion of the Patriot Act, the report says. Five days after the National School Board Association letter to President Biden on October 4, Attorney General Garland issued a memorandum that inserted federal law enforcement into local school board meetings. Attorney General Garland established a task force, including the department's National Security Division, with responsibility for enforcing federal counterterrorism statutes to examine school board-related threats and highlighted the FBI's National Threat Operations Center to serve as a snitch line for tips about parents at school board meetings. By the way, this is still going on. 
Now, after the letter became public, the National School Board Association, and by the way, we helped do that too. The National School Board Association apologized. A number of school districts ditched the organization. During testimony on Capitol Hill, Garland has denied any wrongdoing by the Department of Justice. Well, there's a lot of wrongdoing by the Department of Justice. You just unleashed federal law enforcement against parents. Well, I want to salute Landmark Legal Foundation for taking the lead on a big aspect of this and spending months and resources developing information that was eventually used by this committee. Shortly after the release of the Garland memo, Landmark Legal filed a Freedom of Information Act request to obtain the records and reports from the United States Attorney's Office meetings. These reports are important sources to corroborate the actual extent of threats to public school officials. So what Landmark said is, oh really, you're doing all this? You get all these threats? Well, let's look into all these threats. Given their attendance by a broad cross-section of law enforcement agencies, the United States Attorney's Office, which is in Maine Justice, their meetings are also an important lens into the government's treatment of potentially protected speech activities. Landmark wanted to know whether federal law enforcement had undertaken any actions that improperly hindered citizens' First Amendment rights. They also wanted to know whether the Department of Justice meetings expressed political intent to accommodate the National School Board Association's concern. And following months of stonewalling by the Department of Justice, Landmark finally obtained 127 pages of reports submitted by the U.S. Attorney's offices to the Office of the Deputy Attorney General of the United States. Now, the Deputy Attorney General is an old Obama hack. In my view, she's the invisible hand. She's this Fingali running the department. And so Landmark published these documents in their entirety on their website. Now the executive summary that they put out, they say despite the hysterical rhetoric from the National School Board Association, the United States Attorney's offices, with very few exceptions, reported no increase in criminal threats directed towards school board members. The Democrats, the media, have talked about these threats. There were no increase in criminal threats directed towards school board members, period. These reports show that parents never posed a substantial threat to public safety. I'm quoting from their findings. Citizen engagement at school board meetings almost entirely falls under the protection of nonviolent First Amendment protected speech. And the records show the fallacy of Garland's claim it was necessary to mobilize federal law enforcement against specious complaints of, quote, threatening, unquote, speech. There were four major categories of reports submitted by the United States Attorney's Office, their offices, 93 of them, in response to Garland memo. A plurality of these reports, totaling 31 offices, explicitly stated they had identified no threats. Two, many reports, totaling 27, stated they found nothing notable worth reporting to the Deputy Attorney General. Three, 13 of the offices' reports were rather vague and noncommittal. 
sticking to procedural summaries of their meetings while neither confirming nor denying the presence of threats. Number four, only four offices reported any relevant threats in their jurisdiction in each of these districts. No more than one threat was identified in any detail. It's troubling, however, that two of these four U.S. attorneys' offices reported the mobilization of anti-terrorism resources to combat the perceived dangers of these threats. So out of 93 total U.S. attorney jurisdictions, they found four threats. 15,000 school systems. And yet you would have thought that this was a a systematic problem that was taking place. Systematic. Landmark goes on. Many U.S. attorneys, to their credit, noted a commitment to the First Amendment and its values and a promise to intervene in what is properly a state law enforcement matter only for violent criminal threats covered by federal law, as shown in the Garland Memo or the National School Board Association letter which prompted this investigation, the definition of criminal can be somewhat arbitrary in the eyes of politically motivated law enforcement agencies. Even so, the explicit affirmation of free speech principles in the reports shows that many U.S. attorneys' offices recognize the controversial, if not unconstitutional, implications of the Garland Memo. Taken in their entirety, these offices' reports show the Biden Justice Department issued the unprecedented Garland Memo purely for political purposes. Purely for political purposes. And it goes into great detail. I believe this is on their website. That they had um, no criminal activity to report, no actual criminal activity to report. There were four threats in the whole country. Other United States attorneys' offices responded in a very skeptical tone to the memo. Um, there were some non-committal reports where they just kind of blew off the request and so forth. And, um, you know, what's interesting is the media could have done this. The New York Times could have pursued this. It did not. The Washington Post, this is all in their backyard. They could have pursued this. They did not. See, censorship is not just what you choose to report. It's what you choose not to report. Across the several categories of response, dozens of U.S. attorneys declared their intentions to never interfere with the First Amendment protected speech. And this, these are Democrats. Because they foiled the offices, every single one of them. The presence of these statements emphasizes that most federal law enforcement officers understand the tenuous constitutional grounds of the Garland Memo. The Western District of Texas, for example, quote, underscored they are sworn to uphold the Constitution. It is not their intent to interfere with individual rights of assembly and free speech. District of Idaho emphasized, quote, that law enforcement will not interfere with and will protect spirited debate about policy matters and peaceful protests. Other districts included similar language in the reports. Ryan Buchanan's North District of Georgia, for example, 
may seek to better align their practices with their claim that their directives are not intended to chill free speech. And it goes on. So what's their conclusion? And again, all their charts and all their findings are in the memo. And obviously were used by this subcommittee. And they had to litigate to get the information. The United States Attorney's Office's reports obtained through Landmark's FOIA request illustrate the need for further investigation and debate on questions raised by the Garland Memo. Federal law enforcement and the various U.S. Attorney's Offices reported few incidences of credible threats against school officials. And yet, several jurisdictions have, through their use of federal counterterrorism resources, reinforced the National School Board Association's false and outrageous claim that unruly parents at school board meetings may embody, quote, a form of domestic terrorism, unquote. By any measure, the reports of the United States attorneys in response to the Garland memo demonstrate that the Biden Justice Department deployed the full resources of federal law enforcement to intimidate parents and silence political speech. This was an outrageous abuse of power. Landmark's investigation will continue. I love those guys I worked with for all those decades. So there was no reason for the Garland memo. It was unconstitutional. There was no reason to unleash the National Security Unit, the Civil Rights Unit, the Criminal Division, 93 U.S. Attorney's Offices, to put up a terrorism, domestic terrorism hotline for people to call. They had no examples of terrorism. They had no examples of threats, really. And they did it anyway. The Deputy Attorney General and the Attorney General of the United States, of course they should be impeached. They should resign. They are corrupt. They are political. They are hacks. Mark Levin. You know, sleep, especially as you get older, is so critical, especially that deep, comforting sleep. Go to helixsleep.com, H-E-L-I-X sleep.com, and take the sleep quiz. I took it and was matched to the Midnight Lux. Helix knows that everyone's unique, so they have several different mattress models to match your body type and sleep preferences. Once you match, your mattress comes right to your door, shipped for free. They have a 10-year warranty. And Helix even has financing options and flexible payment plans. So a great night's sleep is never far away. Helix is offering 20% off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners. So go to helixsleep.com slash Levin. H-E-L-I-X sleep.com slash L-E-V-I-N. And use code HELIXPARTNER20. That's HELIXPARTNER20. This is their best offer yet, and it won't last long, folks. With Helix, better sleep starts now. We're giving you nothing but the best, the best of Mark Levin. I will have a monumental announcement on Monday, maybe Tuesday. Monday, maybe Tuesday. You folks in and out of the New York metropolitan area, you keep listening. All over the country, keep listening. But it'll be a big announcement. And we've been on the air over 20 years. Same time, same place. And so we will have a monumental announcement. Did I say we'll have a monumental announcement Monday or Tuesday? All right. 
Let me ask you a question. Well, better yet, let me start it this way. All the hearings today you're seeing on TV, you're hearing on radio, I thought the most remarkable one minute and 10 seconds was between Rob Wilcox, an ATF official, and Representative Tom Tiffany, the Republican from Wisconsin. And I want you to listen to this because this kind of says it all. Cut nine. Go. If a person lies on Form 4473 and a user and is a user of unlawful drugs, um, you can get between five to ten years for that. Is that correct? Is that my understanding? No, I, be- I believe Congress changed the uh, sentence uh, last Congress. Uh, what is that sentence now? Up to 15. Up to 15 years. Uh, why hasn't Hunter Biden been prosecuted for the crime that he committed? I'm not aware of the facts of that case and can't comment on it. Okay, who do we talk to to see why this uh, case is not being prosecuted? I mean, he said very clearly in his book that he used drugs. He had uh, gun, a gun, at least a gun. Point of order, Mr. Chairman. Same point of order. Totally irrelevant and not germane to this proceeding. Uh, he, sir, he's got, his, he's got his five minutes. Go ahead, continue. <laughs> Okay, (laughs) I understand why um, you do not want Mr. Wilcox to answer that question. It's very clear why you don't want, because there's a dual system of justice in America. That's what's going on right now, and everybody's talking about it across America. There's two standards of justice that um, that are going on. It amazes me that this Democrat interrupts like this. Point of order. When I'm sure there are men and women young people in his district, as there are in every district, who've been prosecuted for that offense, for lying on their forms to get weapons, even though they have drug use and drug sales in their backgrounds. It's how a lot of guns get in the hands of killers. It's how a lot of guns get in the hands of gang members if they're not flat out stolen or gotten on the black market and that sort of thing. And so there he is, the guy's throwing himself in front of a bus to try and protect Biden. We don't have people like this. We just don't. And sometimes that's a good thing and sometimes that's a bad thing. But the point is very important. So here you have a top official at the ATF, Treasury Department, responsible for tracking and overseeing the purchase of weapons, particularly illegal weapons, And he doesn't have enough facts in the Hunter Biden case. Now, ladies and gentlemen, you could be sitting on the subway, on a train, on a bus. You could be a passenger in a car going into work in the morning. Or maybe you're in rush hour right now. And you have the facts in the Hunter Biden case, or at least enough of the facts to know how to answer. And the answer is, why aren't we prosecuting him? Because he's Joe Biden's son. That's why. Why aren't we throwing the book at him? Why don't we have a special counsel? Because he's Joe Biden's son. That's why. Now, the truth is that this administration is not prosecuting gun crimes as it should. Local DAs are not prosecuting gun crimes as they should in the inner cities and Democrat metropolitan areas. So crime has gone through the roof. Can't have gun control, quote unquote, if you don't have criminal control. And if you don't use the laws that are already available at the local, state and federal level to prosecute hoodlums. This is the problem. And 
That's why I led with this. It couldn't be more clear. I mean, Mr. Tiffany, Congressman Tiffany laid it out as easy as it could be. Form 4473. You've got Hunter Biden on video, his own words, contemporaneous emails, texts, the whole kit and caboodle. You've got a slam dunk case. Even brag. Even brag. Wouldn't know how to bring that case. But they don't bring a case because they don't want to bring a case. They'd rather chase parents at school board meetings. They'd rather chase pro-lifers. They have a thousand more people to arrest and charge, either prosecute or get plea agreements from January 6th. A thousand, they said. More resources focused on one incident than any time in the history of the Department of Justice. Think about that. Really quite unbelievable. They're focusing the resources, America. There are four Democrat-controlled grand juries investigating Donald Trump. God knows how many federal prosecutors, state prosecutors, local prosecutors, let alone investigators and FBI agents. But Hunter Biden, he, he's busy painting now. They're confusing his paintings, Mr. Producer, with Picasso's paintings, which is understandable, don't you think? And by the way, as a footnote, I wouldn't give you five bucks for a Picasso. Would you, Jim? I look at these things and I say, what, what the hell's going on here? But anyway, what do I know? So I wanted to mention that now. The communist Chinese regime headed by this guy, Xi, is monstrous. Xi is a communist dictator. He's a genocidal maniac. They're still slaughtering the Uyghurs. And isn't it funny? You don't hear much about that from MSLSD or the Constipated News Network. You don't hear much about that from liberal Democrat hosts on TV or radio. You don't read much about that in the New York Slimes or the Washington Compost. No. It's people like me who keep bringing up how the Uyghurs are being slaughtered. These are Muslims. They're the minority in communist China, as are all faiths, by the way. But you don't hear it. It's an amazing thing. And let us be abundantly clear. Xi is responsible for the death of tens of thousands of Americans. He controls communist China. There's nobody else. With fentanyl. Fentanyl, they send the ingredients. They send the ingredients to the to the Mexican cartels who then make them and send them over into our country. It'd be hard enough if the border were secure, but the border's wide open. So it's really the communist Chinese, the Mexican cartels, and Joe Biden. And then we have this, these Confucian, Confucius institutes that are spreading communist Chinese, Maoist communism in our universities and colleges, because our universities and colleges are pigs. They can't get enough money. And then we have TikTok. Those of you who have your kids, you let them go on TikTok. I hope you understand that a file has been opened up on each and every one of them in communist China. 
And everything your kid does, they know. And they keep it on a computer file. When they get older, there's things they want to do and so forth and so on. They'll have the data. So communist China has already declared war on the United States. It's already killing American citizens. It's already tracking American citizens. It's already indoctrinating American citizens. And they're aimed at young people. The younger, the better. Xi's at war with us. And today, the Secretary of Defense, and the head of the Joint Chiefs, willy-nilly, they testified today that they are proposing the biggest defense budget in American history. And I'm sure the Putinoids and their hemorrhoids are in agreement with them. Ladies and gentlemen, that's not how you measure spending. Because then every budget is the biggest in American history. Every school budget is the biggest in their history. And on and on and on. It's a 3% increase where the Department of Education is getting a 13% increase. And the Environmental Protection Agency is getting a 19% increase. It is one of the smallest increases of any item on the federal budget. National security. And yet that's the number one job of the federal government. As the communist Chinese continue to expand the size of their navy, ours will continue to shrink under this budget. When you have inflation raging, raging, and you're only increasing your defense budget by 3%, you're cutting your defense budget. It says if the communist Chinese themselves have proposed the amount of money we will spend on defense versus what they're spending as a percentage of their GDP and income. You better believe Joe Biden is bought and paid for by the communist Chinese. He's watching what we're watching, and he knows even much more from our intelligence agencies, among others, about what the communist Chinese are doing and what they're up to each and every day. He saw what we saw. That Xi and Putin, they shared a wet kiss. They sure as hell did. He sees this new access of evil, which we've been talking about for years here, with China and Russia, and the Islamo-Nazi regime in Tehran, and the inbred regime in North Korea. He sees it. They're massively expanding, not just defense spending, but their presence throughout the world. And they also are co-opting sort of weak allies, the Saudi Arabians and stuff like that. Countries like that. They're co-opting them. And they're buying their way into Central and South America. They're buying their way into Africa. They've bought their way into the Middle East. They've muscled their way into the South China Sea. They've muscled their way onto islands in the Philippines, claiming islands off Japan, claiming the territorial waters and airspace off of Vietnam, threatening Australia. Oh, yeah. 3% increase in defense. Don't tell me the Bidens aren't paid off. And it has real consequences. You know, folks, people ask me, Mark, Mark, who do you support for president? I'm asked this endlessly. And we don't take any calls on this because it'd be very monotonous. 
I'm going to support the candidate who can save our country. And I'm going to support the candidate who can prevent our national suicide from continuing. I'm going to support the candidate who understands the enemy, foreign and domestic, and has the guts to confront them. I'm going to support the candidate who takes the battle to these various American Marxist forces who are destroying the nation from within. And I'm going to use whatever power I have on every platform I have to try and stave off what would be a disastrous and bleak future for this country. My eyes are wide open. I said the other day, I think it was on Fox and Friends Sunday when I was asked in response to a question that I can't remember right now, that we are in a soft tyranny, and we are. That is a phrase that was written by Alexis de Tocqueville in Democracy in America. And we are in a soft tyranny. There is simply no question about it. Some of you haven't felt it yet or some of you don't recognize that you're dealing with it, many of you do. The way the language is being used to manipulate us, totalitarian regimes do that. The way that big social platforms are being used by government and the radical left to shut down debate, the new ideas and thinking, totalitarian regimes do that. This constant talk about Killing off disinformation and misinformation from whose perspective? The state. Again, that's evidence of totalitarianism. What's going on after January 6th? The hunting down of people like they're animals, sending in overarmed militarized SWAT teams to arrest them. That's what happens in totalitarianism. Going after pro-lifers and parents? Totalitarianism. Attacking the greatest constitution man has ever devised? More totalitarianism. Destroying law enforcement? Empowering central law enforcement? Yes, it's a soft tyranny. <laughs> 